The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 641 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. And boy, do we have a lot of hot news for you from the end of last week, because nothing big has broken this week just yet. Thankfully, though, we have quite a bit to talk about, including a new fuzzy best friend we might all have in the next gen. But before we get to that, I'm joined this week by Brian Altana. Hello. Max Scoville. Aloha, and a happy Tuesday to you, good sir. And uh, with, we're also joined by Lucy O'Brien. But Lucy, I noticed uh, you're wearing a, a different shirt. Uh, what? What is this? Exactly. It's an elderly Irish woman T-shirt. It was such a thrill to get it because, like, I don't know about you guys, but any little difference in your day, these, you know, in these trying times, are, are, is kind of thrilling. So mm-hmm. when it arrived, it was like a, you know, I felt it like a runner's high from it. Um, but it's great. It's great. I love it. And uh, thank you so like so much to everyone who has told me that they've bought it. Um, to all the people who have asked for me to send one, because I know I promised I would last episode, um, I can only actually really feasibly send out two. So I'm sending them to a couple of Kiwis uh, in New Zealand. Um, really favoritism. That is favoritism. <laughs> to be fair, they were not only Kiwis, but they were the first people to, to hit me up. So... It was just a, a serendipitous, yeah. uh, wonderful thing to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, Lucy, I'm sure. After the show, <laughs> uh, after the show, uh, send me some of the people who send things your way. Uh, I Lucy, where can people where can people get this shirt right now? They can get it uh, at the IGN store. Um, the URL of which is store.ign.com. That's it. That's it. There's a lot of good stuff on there, so yeah, be sure to yeah. take a browse because it's not just uh, silly. Crap like this. I mean, not crap like so, fun stuff like this. It's, Silly there's a lot of good stuff. Content. Silly quality there's also, content. That's it. There's also some really serious formal wear you can you can put on for your. No, there isn't, and also we we won't have to wear that stuff ever again, or at least for a long time. So don't worry about it. Go get an elderly Irish woman T-shirt and rock it with pride. Hell yeah! Yes, please do. Of course, there's also Beyond shirts there that you can buy as well as, uh, in addition to all of the other IGN podcasts, are represented on there as well. Um, so you don't need to worry about wearing formal wear right now. But what you might want to worry about is how much your PS5 is going to cost you. Uh, and so let's jump in. Beautiful segue. Thank you, boy. Thank you. Uh, that was really good, Robert, Jonathan. This guy, thank you. And I think what's really helping it is me. Uh, 
thanking you all really brings in the <laughs> continued transition. Um, a Bloomberg report late last week broke, of course, after we had recorded the episode, and we got a little information essentially about um, what analysts and some insiders, some developers and everything are saying about, including possibly some people close to Sony itself, um, who are looking ahead at the PS5 launch. And the big takeaways that I want to get to are, one, that there might be fewer units available for the PS5 in its first year than the PS4 had. Uh, they're estimating, according to some of the people Bloomberg spoke to, five to six million units of the PS5 in the fiscal year that would end March 2021. Uh, the PS4 in that time period, for some perspective, sold over seven million units in that five-month period. Um, the article goes on to speculate that the price could get in somewhere near the 499 to 549 area and we'll touch on that in a bit for sure then the other big excuse me a point they made was essentially that uh, according to bloomberg sources the uh, sony promotional plans may have significantly changed due to covid 19 apparently the production isn't the big issue there because of covid there are production issues because of the scarcity of components but what the big issue that covid apparently has caused is how sony is going to essentially market this system and tell us to buy it and tell us why the games on it are going to be worth spending possibly $500 for. Um, so I do want to start first with that price, because I do think that's one of the biggest topics that we'll be returning to until Sony eventually tells us the price. And as Lucy said before the show, given our luck, they'll probably announce it as soon as we finish recording. Um, but what do you all think if the price ends up in the 499 to 549 price range, if that ends up being true? That feels uh, like something we've been anticipating for a while, especially the four ninety nine area, um, five forty nine, or really any price, any console price that has like a forty nine on it. I've said this in the past; feels cheap and tacky. Like it feels, it feels like um, that's this is a very, this is like a you know multi million dollar company that is passing the the cost onto the consumer i, I feel like it, when you have a 49 in there if you don't throw in like at least an extra controller or a game or something like that it's hard to sort of justify that price it just feels it feels like a weird it's it's a weird number um so i wouldn't like to see this thing be 549.99 um but 499 feels like the sweet spot it i still think that's too high for uh, a large majority of people that have by and large equated console retail prices for three ninety nine at the absolute max for years now, um, but things are getting more expensive, and we're heading into a bold new era of power with these systems. So, uh, I think people are going to have to kind of bite the bullet a little bit on that. But that said, with extremely limited supply uh, constraints, I believe at the beginning, then this is going to be a luxury item for a select few people for a little while, anyway. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that price point. Um, I agree with you, Brian. I, f I feel like most people stuck to three ninety nine being the max. I think one of the biggest things that could affect the price will be whatever Microsoft does. And I feel like we're going to probably see Microsoft announce price first just because of how bullish they've been this cycle. Um, and I think if they come in somehow, I don't think the Series X would be, but if they came in at 400 I think Sony would need to do something to get closer to that price point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Microsoft is going to come in at 400, at least for, yeah. um, you know, what they've been promising so far, uh, unless there is a, you know, a top tier model and a lower tier model, uh, in terms of, 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 of raw horsepower. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that this is going to be a significant 
generational leap um, in terms of, of, of said raw power. I think this is the first time we're really going to see consoles kind of um, sort of stand side by side with PCs. Uh, and in terms of what PlayStation is doing as well with the, you know, the, the peptic stuff and, and the uh, 3D audio and all that sort of thing, like there's like there's a lot uh, there's a lot going into it. Uh, and right. I think that the price really is is going to is I think people should expect it to be expensive. Um, I think I think all of these consoles will be expensive. I think Nintendo will continue to be the like the sort of entry point for like someone who maybe doesn't and you know who can't afford that like ridiculously high price tag but i think we're gonna see yeah much higher price points this generation and uh oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say yeah i mean echoing everything you guys both said uh the 49 price point does seem weird i'm totally with ryan it, I wouldn't say cheap necessarily, just sort of it's got like less pageantry to it. Like you feel like you usually see 49 after a price. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, luxury item is a key word here, especially as we're seeing the economy just take a huge crap on itself. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be struggling to grab this. And at the same time, we've seen, we've talked about this before, the tail end of this generation is phenomenal. We had sort of half measures with the PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. So I think a lot of people, especially people who are early adopters of newer hardware with with those sort of half measures, probably don't feel as much pressure to jump on this bandwagon for this this latest generation. Yeah, it's like it's it's pretty amazing to be playing Final Fantasy VII right now and talking about you know the the raw power of the of the next gen consoles because I am so so happy with how that how beautiful that game looks and what our current consoles can actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm, I feel, I totally echo what you're saying. Like, I think that there's going to be less of a, uh, a, that kind of itch to scratch to get the new consoles, mm-hmm. at yeah. least immediately. I think you need to essentially line up, uh, a, a launch lineup of like, of at least one or more kill, killer apps are completely exclusive to the PlayStation five that, and you have to start pricing, uh, individual pieces of it to help the consumer justify what will uh, inevitably be a stingy, a sting of a price point. If they say to us that the new controllers are eighty nine ninety nine or ninety nine ninety nine, and this the system is five hundred, then you're like, well, well, I guess the console is really only four hundred. Like once you start piecemealing stuff like this, because um, that's how they've really done it in the past, uh, is you're able to sort of compartmentalize what that list looks like in your head. They throw in a few months of PlayStation Plus or a free game or something like that. I do really think that like the pack-in game being a, a digital thing is something that both of these uh, manufacturers need to do this time around to really help offset the the cost here of mm-hmm. of of what's inevitably going to be like a very expensive day one console. And Lucy, to what you said earlier, I think um I do foresee Microsoft coming in with um with one SKU that's $400 and that's going to be their big sort of like battle axe to be like, mm-hmm. we can, we can get people in the door on the, on the, on next gen, the cheapest way possible. And I don't really see Sony doing that. Uh, but yeah, no, neither. And, and the other, the other thing to note is like, we're, we're sort of, we're talking specifically about, you know, the North American price here. Um, and I, there's a big wide world out there. And, and, you know, when I was, growing up in New Zealand and, and, you know, I spent the last eight years in Australia and uh, obviously everything is much more, much higher. Like the consoles 
on paper, you know, it's all, it's all relative, but the Ameri- you know, the US dollar is so much, uh, it packs so much more power than the Australian dollar. And, and mm-hmm. I do worry what it's going to be like for, you know, Antipodeans, for example, who are going to, for us, it may, it may be whatever, but like, you know, the PlayStation 3 launched in Australia for 999. And it's just like, I mm. am very, and, you know, with the economy being what it is, like, it, the mind yeah. kind of boggles. Also, like, you know, we look at this sort of this last console generation was really, we got the sort of the beginnings of, you know, Netflix and streaming apps on um, on last gen, but it felt like it really kind of kicked with PS4 and Xbox One. And it was really people using these these systems for, uh, you, you know, aside from just games as like a full-blown entertainment center. Uh, and I, I feel like that's, like, you kind of, you don't, you don't need a cutting-edge hardware to watch Netflix, you know? And yeah. beyond that, like, we don't have any games to go on. So that's going to be another thing. Like, there's also these games that people completely invested in, which uh, it, it feels less like a, you know, it's it's less of like a, a new game that comes out like a cutting edge thing and more like kind of an ecosystem that you want to be a part of. Like, you see this, any of the sort of games as a service, especially, you know, stuff like Fortnite or um, Warzone or uh, Apex or, you know, Valorant or like anything where it's it's like it's kind of just an ongoing thing that you can be part of. And the fact that that's, you know, made available for, you know, existing hardware is kind of a, it kind of lowers the barrier of entry. And like the, the, the luxury angle here is something to really to, to keep in mind. Cause if, if you don't, if you don't have to shell out, you know, $549 for a new box, then, you know, what's the draw there? Yeah. Also, if, you know, games have been positioned as such a sort of a place for community over the last few years and i think with playstation that's big been such a big part of it um same with xbox obviously uh but uh, if if your friends can't afford to get a ps5 like maybe you hold back a little bit too we're also we're sort of considering this in the grand scheme of uh console launches that we've seen in the past which historically you know had a little a few less roadblocks in front of them as as 2020 has provided <laughs> literally every aspect of the world um, but i i could i could foresee uh like a global launch initiative being sort of staggered here um instead of us sort of predicting that every single console will launch in every region at the same time which i think best laid plans you know both manufacturers want to do right now the reality is is far different than that um with supply chains being constrained right then right now with you know pandemic crisis happening all over the place economic collapse happening everywhere um i i do foresee uh some regions getting it day and day and i see others getting it uh months later you know or if not weeks later uh, so it's it's going to be pretty hard to track for a little while um so i don't think you're going to have that big sort of like it's here this is the launch day this is the launch window the whole part the whole world is celebrating in the same playstation 5 party like it's it's going to be staggered and there's going to be a lot of factors that's at least what i'm predicting it'll be interesting to see because sony has made a really big deal about becoming a more globally focused company over the last even few months um with the org changes and with the different shifts and how they're operating um, that seems to be a big thing they are pushing for, but obviously, yeah, we have no idea what things are going to look like months from now. You know, Phil Spencer, uh, went on podcast unlocked a few weeks ago and talked about how they want to do that global launch too, because he sees firsthand what it's like to go to Japan and see how the Xbox one fares there. And he doesn't want to ever have a delay like that again. 
but there right. might be things that end up being out of these companies' hands. Um, I do want to move a little more into this topic, though, on the in terms of how Sony is going to convince us to buy this thing, because right now we are looking at possibly a luxury-priced item with a limited supply. So I, I think the limited supply kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the price, where it's probably a good thing for them, because they're not going to have probably millions of units shitting, uh, sitting in warehouses, um, just waiting to be bought, because they're you know, going to have supply restraints. But if Sony, you know, isn't going to be at conventions, we knew they weren't going to be at E3, but now Gamescom is digital only. We know that stores and public places are probably going to be reticent to have people en masse or even be legally allowed to have people en masse in the months to come. So Sony needs to figure out a way to convince people to buy this. How do you think they do that? Launch the console exclusively in Georgia. (laughs) No, what were you going to say, Lucy? (laughs) Sorry. No, I mean, like, you know, I think I think that uh, PlayStation might have more of an uphill climb in this regard than Xbox, uh, uh, considering, inter- you know, when we're going back to that raw horsepower, um, if you're just going to show people how good the graphics look, um, you can do that over, uh, like, a, a PlayStation, you know, a little mini direct or whatever. I keep forgetting the name. It's like I've got a weird brain... State of play, you can do that, you know, you can do that in the state of play, but you can't really uh, convey how that 3D sound works and and how the controller feels um, because those are such selling points for this machine. It's all about, it's not just about the graphics, it's about the whole package and how how it's going to be different to play, how it feels different to play. Um, You know, it's different from just being able to sort of put an amazing piece of gameplay uh, that we can all watch and just go, ooh, and ah, you know, there, there's a lot more convincing that Sony needs to do. Whereas, you know, Microsoft can just be like, and here's blah blah running in 100K, you know, and we're all just mm-hmm. going to go, ah, and everyone's going to go crazy. So, you know, I, I think I think PlayStation has more of an uphill battle in this regard. I still think games are going to look fantastic on the PlayStation 5. I have no doubt of that. Um, but, yeah, in terms of all the other features that they're trying to um, sell us, I think no, it'll be harder you're, with you're people totally right. out to hold it. It's this is a bad time to be trying to push haptics because they specifically require you to touch a thing, which is something that nobody really wants when there's invisible slime on everything that might kill you, you know? <laughs> Not to get dark yeah. or anything. No, no, no. I mean, this is all factoring in the stuff we're talking about. I, I think that, like, fundamentally, this is something we've said for a very long time in this show. I think that what needs to happen is there needs to be sort of a like a road that consumers can offload their current gen hardware and immediately upgrade to next gen hardware at a reduced cost for them and the messaging that needs to be coming from microsoft and sony right now is your old thing was great it served you for a long time the new thing will replace it in functionality entirely and also improve upon it vastly in ways you can't imagine and to help initiate and ease that transition bring your old thing in dump it off leave it in a, in a garbage bag on, on on in front of gamestop and we'll we'll give you a brand new playstation 5 like if you can trade in your ps4 and get 200 bucks or 250 bucks off of these new systems or something like that um, or even the other thing we've talked about, which is sort of the layaway plan, right? Like the you pay thirty bucks a month and you get you get a PlayStation Five and PlayStation Plus for three or four years, and you're paying that off until 
uh, you own the console, essentially. I mean, that's the way people handle mobile devices right now. Like, I think that's what needs to happen. You need to basically tell me, like, your PlayStation 4 is awesome. It's getting a ton of games, but all those games will work day one on PS5. And you can bring your PS4 in and transfer everything over on the spot. And here you go home with your brand new PS5. Don't worry about your old system anymore. That has to happen because yeah, I think we, that's, the, that's the most important bridge right now that needs to be crossed. I agree. And I, I, obviously it's a hard like infrastructure thing to figure out of how to be able to get people en masse to do that. But like, look at last year's Black Friday deals. You could get a PS4 with Spider-Man, God of War, and The Last of Us Remastered for $200. Right. Assuming that deal is back, like you could sell that again this year, if not for even cheaper or with more games. For someone who doesn't really care about having the prettiest thing, that's a much better deal than saying, well, I should buy the new thing because it's the new thing. Like, They're going to need to be able to convince a lot of players why it's worth upgrading, especially as we've all been alluding, this year is so packed with good games we're still going to be playing in November. Right, which doesn't really seem to be the case on the Xbox side, at least in terms of like massive exclusives that are coming out in its last year. And so they can comfortably do uh, a essentially permanent price drop on all of their hardware right now and it's just going to exist to offload existing stuff that's already on shelf whereas sony doing that could sort of shoot themselves in the foot in terms of competing with themselves in next gen you're completely right if they they have like an insane 200 ps4 pro that has three games built in on black friday uh, and that's going up against a 500 console that doesn't ship with a game and uh frankly may not have like a, a killer app exclusive within its first launch window, then uh, I, I think the average consumer is going to go with the former. Yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they end up pitching all of this stuff. Uh, we were talking about state of plays a little earlier, and Brian, you and I talked about this on uh, News Games and More uh, yesterday as we're recording, I think. Um, and there hasn't been one in 2020 yet. Like, they have not done a proper showcase in any way. They did, like, a almost a mini state of play on the PlayStation blog, but that was uh, indie-focused games. They haven't really done anything first-party or next-gen beyond these random drops like the DualSense. So that, mm-hmm. that feels like that's what we're going to be getting for the time being. Like, they're going to put these things out when they feel they need to or have to, um, which is a, a weird strategy in my book, but... yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like we're going to be getting any sort of traditional announcements from really anyone this year. With all the major events being canceled, I think people are going to start to sort of create their own timelines for how they want to get their news and their stories out. And so we always said, like, you know, Microsoft's going to have their press conference at E3, and then Sony's going to probably do something at night or like the next week or something like that. Um, but everything's off the table with that right now. So. Yeah, they're, you know, we've said this before, their messaging in 2020 has been bizarre, to say the best. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's been very strange. So I hope we can all look back on this era and be like, that was weird, but ultimately it didn't matter because we're really happy with the PS5. Can't wait to play these launch games. But the road to this thing so far has been um, cumbersome at best, I would say. You know, I think one thing's for certain, though, whenever they do have something huge to announce, it will happen immediately 20 minutes after we've just recorded an episode of this show yeah exactly and i can't wait very true for that to be true a year from now when we're talking about ps5 game announcements while we're playing our ps5s uh yeah it's a a little weird to think a year from now that first you know five month period that they're looking at possibly limited sales in is going to be over by now um that's kind of the trajectory we're heading, but there's still so much to figure out, and hopefully we'll find that out in the months to come. Uh, one way Sony might tell us about how things work in the future, given a new patent 
at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office is a tiny, fuzzy little robot friend who will sit with you and play games on the couch and be your PlayStation buddy. Um, this patent came out of nowhere. I don't, I don't know what to say about it because it seems insane. But Sony has patented an autonomous robotic gaming companion that sympathizes with the user and reacts to their emotions during gameplay. Uh, a couple things I want to highlight about it. This patent, which again, not an official product yet, may never see the light of day, may just be an idea uh, Herman had in a boardroom and he decided to have it patented just in case Phil was on the line too. Um, anyway, this thing has no mouth, but a pair of endearing eyes and cute boots. It has, no, it has no mouth, but it must scream. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I'm so curious, even as a patent, you know, where like, we're not it may just be nothing it may just be a, a as you said just an idea but like i don't get the so every time you die in a video game so you're playing bloodborne right um and you know you die a whole bunch is this little guy sitting next to you gonna be like every time because that would get extremely annoying uh, apparently he might not even be on the couch with you because apparently it's supposed to be autonomous enough to the point where it could choose to sit beside you on the sofa of its own accord. So maybe it gets up to take a walk every now and then too. Maybe you like, get too like angry Chucky playing doll. Bloodborne and it just leaves. And it's like, I don't want to be in the room with you. And just, I mean, I already have one of those. Like I have my dog. Like when I'm starting screaming too much <laughs> at some like blood starved animal and I just start yelling at the TV, he gets up and leaves. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, that's some autonomy. Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, the reason a lot of this stuff gets pitched and ends up being popular is not necessarily for like people living in America, but it's for people living in small apartments in Japan. That's why, you know, everything from like Tamagotchi to Nintendogs to the Sony Ibo and a bunch of other stuff. Like it's, it's, it's why they have, you know, uh, there's dog cafes all over the place in Japan because people want some hands-on time with a puppy and they can't do it in their apartment. So, or an owl, because um, <laughs> you have that option as well. Uh, so I can see this doing well over there. We also talked about, uh, I think this is on Up at Noon a million years ago, but there's like Hasbro makes like a $150 robot cat that is for old people. You know, they want that companionship. And I, f I feel like we're looking at this as like, this is targeting, you know, hot young gamers like ourselves who want the cutting edge experience and the friendship that won't ever quit or whatever. But it like, this could just as easily be the elderly to be like, here's a companion. But also, like, you know, let's not forget, oh, God, I mean, you know, if this ever came to, it would be great if this thing existed right now. Because think about all the people who are isolating by themselves. I mean, shout out to you guys, uh, whoever's listening, who who is currently doing that, because I, I can't imagine how, um, you know, that could, that could be really hard at times. Uh, and I can imagine that a little uh, robot friend who empathizes with you is a, a very enticing prospect. I mean, yeah, I've seen... Oh, are we going to say, Jonathan? I just, that there is sort of a, like, uh, there is a positive aspect to it. It is just such a weird, like, out of the blue idea. But yeah, the, the idea that it could be a, essentially a gaming partner you might not be able to have otherwise. They gave an example of it being able to essentially be the thing that's controlling the opponent team in a game of uh, a baseball game. Uh, mm -hmm. And presumably it would react to you either scoring against it or it scoring against you. And you feel like you have a little bit more than just whatever is on screen. Yeah, I really love that, honestly. Like that that's it's it's creepy and weird, but it's also really fun. Um and if you're gonna play against the computer in a video game anyway, might as well have like like a smack talking dog man sitting next to you. <laughs> like uh Lucy, to what you were saying, like I was reading about all these um 
basically animal shelters are like they're their their cages are like empty for the first time in a so long great. time. Yeah, it's really awesome. And people are home and they're they're adopting and uh there are also trucks that are uh basically delivering these shelter animals to people's houses so they can meet them for the first time and then bring them in. Um yeah, I think something like this would be would be awesome right now for people who I don't know don't want an animal to poop in their house but also like want like a little small friend to be on the couch with them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the cool has... thing about robots is they don't leave their feces anywhere. <laughs> they just don't have that even. Yeah, and <laughs> not yet. Don't... Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, the patent interestingly notes that uh, quote it is expected that the user's affinity with the robot is increased and motivation for playing a game is enhanced by the robot viewing the gameplay next to the user and being pleased or sad together. Further, regarding not only the game, but also a movie, a television program, or the like, it is expected that the user may enjoy content more by viewing the content with the robots as compared to the case of viewing it alone. And yeah, Lucy, as you were saying, this thing should come out right now. Like, this would be a perfect thing for a lot of people to have right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Goddamn robots, Sony. Let us have a robot friend. Uh, I want... I so you know, you know what would improve my... Or, like, improve my enjoyment of watching a movie? I had a robot who would just like whenever I just start looking at my phone, he would just like look at me really angrily and like wouldn't say anything because he has no mouth, but he would just stare at me like passive aggressively. And I'd be like, sorry, I'll put my phone away. We can watch the movie. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you can see the disappointment in his eyes. Yes. He just like pauses it and like stares at me expectantly. Like you done? You done on Instagram? You asshole. So the robot is really just meant to make us appreciate art. Mm -hmm. Aw, it's a lovely way of putting it. Um, What... If this thing comes to market and is actually a real thing, we may end up buying. I hope it personally just looks like a tiny little astrobot that hangs out next to you. Uh, what do you think they should call it? God, this is tough. <laughs> I think it should be called something creepy. I mean, I'm a really, you know, for me, I'm really on the end to this idea if it if it turns creepy, you know, I want, I want these things to be walking around at night when you're asleep. Like, I want, you know, them to, like, be scuttling around in the cutlery drawer, you know, fiddling for a knife. That, you know, that's what I want. So I want it to have like a woman, suitably Lucy. creepy <laughs> name, like, you know, like Clyde. Or like... I, was, I was thinking something that sounds <laughs> like, like, I, I like I like like a like a, like a Corwin or like a Del, Delvin or like it's like a little bit like it sounds like a familiar name, but it's like slightly. Yeah, slightly off. Yeah. Godwin. <laughs> Uh, I want it to be called Godwin. <laughs> what if instead of like the God complex so quickly? Instead of like the Sony Walkman, it was like the Sony Houseman, and it was just like a small, <laughs> the Sony small man, man that lived in your man. home, apartman, apartman. Oh, God, apartment, <laughs> apartman. He brings you together. Introducing ah, the ah, Sony ah. Weeaboo. <laughs> It just fights with you about who's best girl in Persona. Corwin, like the apartment. <laughs> um, yeah, this, as we mentioned at the top of this, this isn't a thing we know is going to actually ever come to market. Uh, companies, including Sony, patent things all the time, so we may never see a little Sony helper robot. But it's definitely a possibility, and I like this conversation. Kind of convinced me I'd probably buy one just to see how it worked until it killed mm -hmm. me. Yes. <laughs> Moving on from that, though, I did want to talk a little bit about some of the recent news from this week, because a lot of stuff happened uh, most recently, uh, the MPD results from earlier this morning. 
uh, as we're recording. No surprise that the Switch and Animal Crossing were far and away the winners when it came to NPD this month. Um, that's all any of us can talk about, including on the show, so it seems only fair that that would happen. But a few notable games from the PlayStation side of things did crack into the top 10 for March, including MLB The Show 20 in number three, and that was actually the fifth best-selling game of 2020 in that month and the fastest-selling MLB The Show game in franchise history. So obviously, people are still loving MLB The Show and with good cause because that studio does great work. Uh, Persona 5 Royal, which is currently a PS4 exclusive, uh, was number seven on the list. Um, and then Neo 2 debuted at 11 on the list. Um, so a, a pretty good month for PlayStation exclusive games. Um, Modern Warfare was number two and is currently still the best-selling game of 2020, proving that every time someone says, eh, who buys Call of Duty? A lot of people still do. Everyone, yeah. Um, um, I want to I want to give a shout out to GTA Five for finally making the top ten. That was that was a big move for those you know, guys. I think that I think that this Grand Theft Auto series might be here to stay. I think it's finally starting to get its foot in the door, and it's going to be a might be a hit. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully one day they decide to make another. Um, but whenever that day comes, we don't know it'll be too soon. But we do know that Streets of Rage Four is getting uh, released on April thirtieth for PS4 and all the other SKUs. Um, have you guys followed this at all? Were you Streets of Rage fans? Uh, yes. Sort of like, are you excited for this one? Because it, yes. it's an interesting nostalgia play to me. Yeah, no, totally. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like old school arc- arcade beat-em-ups, always have been. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited for this one. Streets of Rage was always a, a weird series for me. Uh, I definitely collected them and I played them, but I was more of like a River City Ransom Double Dragon guy, Final Flight and all that. And then you obviously, you know, Ninja Turtles, X-Men, The Simpsons, those are some of my favorite, like kind of goofy beat-em-ups of all time. But Streets of Age Rage is one of those games that like it it you look at the box art and you're like, wow, this is tough and serious. And then you get in there and you're like, there's a kangaroo with roller skates <laughs> and he's, he just kicked the girl. Like it's it's very dumb. Um, but in the best way possible, it's it's triumphantly 90s, which I totally dig. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see where the new one goes. Uh, the like the beat 'em up genre is interesting because it's uh I I feel like the m- most modern attempts at it have missed a lot of what makes it fun. Like they either oversimplify it, which when you're not five years old, like pumping quarters into an arcade, it's kind of boring. Um, or they they sort of like over uh, convolute it and they make the levels too long and they add like absurd like uh, combat systems and and like over the top rpg elements and i think that like it's very tough to find that perfect balance so i hope this this finds it yeah i'm i'm excited for it uh i dig what they're doing with the art and i appreciate that it seems like they're very much trying to celebrate the whole franchise like this isn't a thing that's trying to revolutionize what people love they're bring it all into modern day and in a new sleek looking package hopefully mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun to play um we also learned that uh, good news for Barrett Courtney, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom rehydrated the longest goddamn game name in history that I hate having to type out in stories, uh, has been revealed uh, to be coming out on June 23rd. A big um, one without audience. It's a, yeah, really surprised. I mean, maybe it's not so surprising, but yeah, like I was surprised that it was that it's such a big game without audience. Our audience loves to rehydrate Bikini Bottoms, so this has been well documented. Brian! Um, it's in the title of the game. Brian! That's the title of the game. They know what they're doing. Don't blame uh, me. I don't work for them. I don't work for SpongeBob. <laughs> I don't make that name up. 
Uh, if you are excited about SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom, chances are we'll be talking about it uh, a little bit in June when it does come out. If you want us to have Barrett Courtney on the show when that game comes out, tweet at SadBoyBarrett with two T's, not one T like an FF7, two T's. Uh, tweet at him and ask him if he will come on Beyond to talk about Bikini Bottom Rehydrate. And uh, counterpoint, we'll if, you, if you're opposed to having Barrett come on, go to change.org and sign my petition, which is just do not ever allow Barrett to come on the show again. Uh, we've got over 20,000 signatures already, so I don't think it's going to be an issue. Impressive. Um, wow, people. Some good hustling, Max. Yeah. I get why Barrett is such a sad boy. Um, yeah. I, speaking of uh, boys yelling yippee about things, though, that was position Star Wars Episode One Racer is coming out on May 12th for PS4. Um, I We talked about this on News Games and More back last week. I'm excited. Max is excited. Uh, Brian, are you excited for this? I'm excited at the idea of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel the same. I like yeah. the idea more than I like the actual, like I know that I won't be touching this game, but I like that it exists. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have that option there. Um, whether or not I'll actually like put some time into it is a very different thing. Um, I don't, I I went on like a big like Star Wars movie rewatch last year uh and found a lot that I actually really liked about Phantom Menace but the video games are uh, kind of a different story. I, I think say- that really that really does say a lot about how just how bad everything is that we're all like we were too hard on you the Phantom Menace you're okay you're all right then. Mm-hmm. I know I'm with you on that. It's got a lot of cool stuff including the pod race which is uh what we're getting now. I'm excited to revisit said on some other shows i think it is a fun game but probably not a great one and i'm okay with that and i'm okay to dive in and see how a few races go um and last but not least on the uh release date front we learned about uh crisis remastered officially being announced uh for ps4 as in addition to pc xbox one nintendo switch um it's going to be coming soon but we don't have too much else beyond that i think i'm going to double check if there's a proper release date um, but that's being co-developed by Saber Interactive, who did the Witcher uh, Switch port, uh, NBA Playgrounds, and a host of other games and ports as well. Um, I never played Crisis back in the day, so I, I don't know if I'll step into this one, but obviously it's kind of um, very well known as being the like PC-melting game for a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I played Crisis 2, but I never played the original. Uh, I think I'll jump in just to... Uh, take a look just so I can say that I played it and you know get some sort of education around it like there are people who you know stand by that game as one of the greats yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how it holds up especially as the shooter genre has changed so much with the introduction of battle royales and uh, doom returning in a lot of uh, different ways that genre uh, left um, the, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm, I'm mostly excited for the graphic comparison videos that will show uh, the PS4 Pro version versus like high-end PC version versus the Switch version. That's going to be, I, yeah, that's going to be super fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to see those versus the original game too. Yeah. Uh, that should be really yeah. interesting. It's really uh, hammer at home, you know. Exactly. Uh, last but not least, a little bit of weird news that popped up yesterday. Um, you, you guys remember that game, Wild? the PS4 exclusive Wild from Michelle Ancel. Yeah. The website for it was uh, surprisingly updated with new concept art images uh, over the last 
few weeks. No one's exactly sure the exact date. Um, and there's no other update on the site. There's no information saying like coming soon. Can't wait to show you this game again. Nothing like that. It's just some new concept art that wasn't on that website before. Some dude is probably like, well, not really doing much else. I'm just sitting here at home. Might as well upload some screenies. Yeah. I mean, I love that that's it. When you frame it within the context of everything that's going on there, that it's a ah, new concept art revealed for upcoming video. Counterpoint, somebody posted JPEGs of a caveman on a website. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, I, I get that they're making that game, I think, but it's also at this point, it's like, well, is it still in the works? Like it's sort of kind of cart before the horse to drop some concept after so much radio silence. Yeah, that game was announced in 2014, and we had a hands-on preview of it at Paris Games Week 2015, but it has essentially been silent since then. So six years. Yeah. And I imagine if this game is happening, it will move to PS5 at this point. Like, there's no reason to try to push this out on the PS4, but um, it's, it's, it's a weird one. It's always been one of those, like, throwaway sort of things of, like, will this ever come to fruition, or will it just be a forgotten title that Michelle Ancel and Sony will pretend never existed in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, but I like seeing Signs of Life in it. I think it looked pretty cool at first, uh, but who knows where that game will actually go from here. Uh, but the last bit of news stuff that I want to talk about is sort of a general thing we've touched on here on the show a few times. Um, there have been like 7,000 leaks every other day on Reddit and Reset Era and other websites that we don't go to. Um, and everyone is trying to show you every new game uh, that you didn't know existed or is existing, and they have amazing detailed uh, info from their friend who works for a friend at a warehouse who knows a guy at Sony. Um, and I kind of want to talk about these because I saw some big ones popping up, in, including Spider-Man and Starfield have been starting to pop up as sort of just like a, if you're not hearing anything official from either the companies themselves from people with trusted sourcing who have reported on these things in and out it's probably not best to assume someone taking a like 240p uh off screen screenshot is telling you the truth about a thing yeah well i mean i don't know counterpoint here's the thing a lot of people don't know is that every video game developer on earth has a, the worst phone from 25 years ago and they're only allowed to take like sideways leaky pictures like that. No, this is um this is something that happens every year leading up to new consoles. But I think now the fact that the like most of the world is home and bored, it's gonna get so much worse, so much worse. And I can't wait. Like I we actually like we did an entire NVC episode back in the day on that uh, 3D printed fake Nintendo Switch that was like an oval. It looked like a like oh a, yeah. Like a, yeah, a flat football, and it had like some Zelda screenshot on it, and we went from being horrified to being like, maybe you know the the screen is underneath the thumbstick, and you can use it to access the horse. And we did like a whole episode about it. Oh man! And like the next day, that every he was like, I was lying, you idiots. And we we're like, ah oh, shoot. <laughs> I mean, like flip side, sometimes this stuff winds up being legit, and then you know we cover it accordingly, and then it turns out it's real, and it's I don't yeah. know. I mean, chances are, if it's a Ubisoft leak, it's real. Mm -hmm. yeah track record wise for companies UB game I think we have an catalogs that literally every single mainline Assassin's Creed game has been leaked like including the first one 
I'm excited uh, to see. I'm excited to see what format the leak comes in because it's always something weird, like a fridge magnet or like a promotional bathrobe that they give out, and you're like, well, oh, it was, it, it was a keychain. It was a keychain one year. A lot of times, too, it's a guy who has like he brought basically a 42 inch tablet onto an airplane, and he's just holding it up like this. And it says like Assassin's Creed Odyssey on it, but without airplanes and trains and other various forms of public transportation to openly leak your big project that is taking 170,000 worldwide employees to create in unison, how will people be able to leak these news? I think we have to get back to keychains and hats, you know, stinkies. <laughs> I think my favorite was always like WB leaks were always, it was always a photo of a banner they hung up at E3. Mm-hmm. Right. And it would be like it would be like you you really dropped the ball at the bottom of the ninth there, where it's like I didn't know Injustice Two was going to be a thing until I walked inside this room and looked up, and it was like, oh, that there it is. You Dude, just really my my favorite ever is we used to always, and this is a sneaky trick if you're starting a video game website and you want a lot of clicks, and, and not this year it won't work for you, but uh, every other year during E3 you can basically look up like geotags for uh, anybody building and uploading any photos around the convention center in downtown Los Angeles. And uh, a couple years ago, there was this like Teamster construction worker guy that took a picture of himself in front of like, where he took a picture of just like a room. He's like, look at these poles I built. They're great. And on one of them, it just said like Super Mario Maker available soon. It hadn't, it hadn't been revealed yet. And so he was just like, I'm super proud of the way I built these poles. That's a good pole. It's going to hold up the whole convention center. It can be great. And it just had a picture of an unreleased Nintendo game on it. And we we're like, holy crap, this is awesome. I think my favorite, uh, my favorite. Was the, there was the secret like Tony Hawk five event or something oh, and a caterer was like huge honor to uh to cater to tony hawk himself and it was like just in front of a half pipe with like a giant logo on it we were oh well there's that no, didn't didn't he put a punch he put a bunch of like ornate dining tables in the middle of a half pipe with like candles on them. yeah um so if you see that happen you know that's one thing but um given the proliferation of uh people one being at home and having nothing to do uh, to having a lot of access to Photoshop and video editing and uh, deep fakes now. Uh, probably some stuff that you're going to see that's not true. That doesn't mean to say that every leak out there doesn't have possibly some kernel of truth to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think definitely don't get yourself too overexcited, especially as uh, Brian was pointing to. People taking off-screen photos with a Motorola Razor from 2006, they don't need to do that. They can just screenshot their screen if it's on a Zoom call. That's That's how you do it. You know, a really good way to circumvent this would be for Sony to put a little a little bit of elbow grease into like a presentation that looked above and beyond just a, a JPEG on a blog or the Mystery Science Theater Mark Cerny thing that could be faked by like a child. <laughs> like yeah. I, I feel like if they went out and they they made like an actual full-on presentation, uh, that would circumvent a lot of this stuff because then they could own the message instead of us sitting here waiting for, you know, angry kids who are home for the summer uh, to lie hey, to um, us. Actually speaking of lying to people, I want to give a quick shout out to our two April <laughs> Fools videos that we were not allowed to put up until 420 a long story reasons but um yeah we we spent months working on uh april fools gags that were then kind of deemed like maybe people weren't in the best mood for april fools jokes we put them up on 421 as a teaser trailer for uh the mandalorian season two which brian and i worked on a bunch and then the other is the x series xxl which is an incredible reveal trailer of the world's largest video game console um Mm -hmm. we have since revealed that those are not real and we're sorry and please don't be so mad at us for joking on the computer we're bored. Uh, I I still fondly remember the presentation show 
pitch meeting for the XXL. Um, I'm glad that I still have those photos. I, I should post those photoshops today. That was really fun. Yeah, you <laughs> should because they were very yeah. funny. Um, and you guys did Max. I know you did a prop work and everything for the Mandalorian. Um, and all that stuff looks so good. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Max, we're at the we're at the point of quarantine where we need uh, your advice on on like miniature painting. <gasps> you want to do hobbies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we can talk I'll about hit you that up later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, as we all figure out hobbies, uh, the show we're running a little short on time. Very quickly, wanted to ask: um, Are you guys playing anything different from last week? Anything sticking out to you that you've been playing, or is it about same right now about the same i've been playing a lot of skate 3 for literally no reason uh i got it for five dollars on on xbox for 360 and i've been playing that and doing some uh attempted 360 um as the most as the most naked and most heavy set character i could possibly make and it's the closest <laughs> i could get to playing a cky video game and i've been like laughing uncontrollably and also i'm really bad at that game so <laughs> it gets tough yeah Lucy, what about you? Still, still Final Fantasy VII. Um, I've come to the conclusion that it truly is, and you know, I know that this is a common sentiment, but it is the horniest game yep. I've played <laughs> in a severely long time. Yeah. Everyone in that game is so thirsty for everyone else. It's just like, like it's not even innuendo. It's just like I, I it, it's it's explicitly just so horny, mm -hmm. and I love it. I love it. Yeah, Adoring that it. is. That is the horniest game I've played till uh, since Persona 5, uh, the original, a couple years back. And Final Fantasy VII's thirst makes that game look like it's never had well, water so in its life. Like, counterpoint, <laughs> I feel like every every character in in FF7 is so aggressively over-designed and over-styled to the point that you'll, you'll encounter actual children who are wearing, like, eyeliner and rouge and, like, false eyelashes, and you're all, all right, toddlers and tiaras, pump the brake. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in that game has just been like rouged up as hell. You know what I mean? Just yeah. so much I mean, powder. I'm sure, on like, I'm pretty sure Cloud is just waxed. Like, if you look at his armpits, there's just nothing. Oh no, he's a smooth boy. Oh yeah, uh, he's also uh, a punk ass, as that game rightly calls out. But we'll probably talk about that a little bit more in detail people have asked we do want to do a spoiler cast for it uh obviously some people are still working their way through it but that is something we want to do uh if you have beaten it and you have thoughts about it that you might want us to read on the show write into beyond at ign.com put the subject line ff7 remake uh so we know what it's about and when we get to that show we'll let you know uh and hopefully be able to include some of your thoughts on that game but otherwise, that pretty much wraps us up for episode 641 of Podcast Beyond. Uh, thank you, Max, Lucy, and Brian for joining me for this episode. Thank you to Red, our producer. Uh, when we're not doing the show, which is weekly at uh, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services. Or, of course, at IGN.com, youtube.com slash IGN. And on Twitter, I'm at Jam Dornbush. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. Max is at Max Scoville. And Brian is at Agent Fizzle. Uh, you can catch us, and I've got to go catch this train going by my window. So thank you so much for listening and or watching to this episode. And as always, we hope you're safe, we hope you're well, and beyond. Beyond. Beyond.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.